Welcome back, traders. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on another episode of Trade Wins. We are super excited to bring to you a new member of the team, a gentleman that has been around the world and back several times, starting off as a researcher and a worker at the Bloomberg Terminal. Some of you guys might know that that's the biggest and most important <laughs> terminal of data that professional traders use across the globe. From there, he bounced around as an investment manager and researcher analyst, and he now operates at primarily as a trader over at CoinW, a crypto specialist, a uh, trilingual human being, a master of words, a master of the charts. <laughs> it is my honor to present to some and introduce to others the absolutely incredible Boris Friedman. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Thank you for the very amazing intro, Aaron. I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you. So, brother, I, I obviously you've done so much in your career, but you've you've really gone in a really interesting track so you started off in very traditional assets uh, you know most of us that trade delicious are really traditional i trade futures and equities mm -hmm. jordan trades forex and that's pretty much all everyone does i was the oddball out for forever <laughs> for trading futures but you are you're a crypto guy and you you have such a a way of breaking it down you really offer a lot of legitimacy to a space that a lot of people don't really consider to be a real asset yet a lot of people still treat bitcoin as if it could go away how in the world did you gravitate from the traditional assets to now being such a big voice in the crypto space yeah for sure so i i really uh, made my first investment in crypto back in 2013 it's when i bought my first uh small portion of, of a bitcoin but i really didn't do anything with it just kind of let it sit there and uh, I didn't really get into crypto trading or crypto investing until late 2017. When the, for those who aren't familiar, that's when the big epic bull run happened in crypto. So during that year, uh, Bitcoin, I believe, it started at around three thousand dollars, maybe even less. And by the end of that year, in December of 2017, it was up to went up to a high of twenty thousand dollars. So that was a, a pretty pretty incredible run. And I just remember, uh, especially. Uh, during Q4 of 2017, while I was working at Prequin, there was just a lot of hype and euphoria, just not 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 only in the media, but also in the office. Like people were like talking about Bitcoin, they were talking about Ethereum, they were talking about Litecoin and XRP and all these different cryptocurrencies that uh, some of them like don't even like exist anymore, I don't think, or at least aren't tradable because <laughs> some of them turned out to be, I guess, not real projects or maybe even in some cases Ponzi schemes. Uh, but in any case, uh, yeah, there's so much hype and euphoria and people were like making money left and right. And I was just kind of like sitting there, you know, just doing my job. And I was like, you know, you know, well, I want a piece of this as well. So I, uh, yeah, during that like initial, I guess, or not the initial, it was more like towards the late stages of the bull run. That's wh where I started uh, really, uh, really getting active in quote unquote trading. Like at that, at that point in time, what I was doing. In retrospect, wasn't really trading; it was just gambling. Uh, but in any case, I I started purchasing a lot of Bitcoin and and uh, other cryptos as well. And it's it's pretty funny because uh, at that time, even on exchanges like Coinbase, you could actually buy crypto using a credit card. So I was not only buying <laughs> I was not only buying Bitcoin and Litecoin and Ethereum with just my own money, but I thought, oh. 
let, let me just uh, use my visa or my discover card to to make some purchases because I just don't I don't I want more I don't have enough I don't have enough cash so anyway now uh this is a, a tangent but you can't buy crypto with a credit card anymore uh not in the United States at least um talk about leverage man yeah for sure so yeah people went, were way over leveraged including me and yeah so essentially I um you know I kind of I kind of made some money initially uh during that period uh, ultimately, the market came crashing way down. Uh, Bitcoin ended up going back to 3000 I lost a lot of money, obviously. Uh, also piled on some credit card debt, unfortunately. And that, and then that's what really forced me to really get into trading and real, uh, I guess, investment management and learn how to properly manage my risk when it comes to trading this market. Uh, so really throughout 2018, 2019, and into the early part of 2020, I just spent my entire free time really diving headfirst into trading and especially the cryptocurrency scene. So I was reading books like, um, I mean, it, it's kind of like hard to get your trading education from books, but I started with, with some educational content from books, but I was mainly through like online media and online courses where I really had to like filter through a lot of different material. And uh, yeah, ultimately throughout those, I guess, three years where I was still working at Frequent, like I was saying in my free time, I would just spend, I would just spend every extra moment just uh, learning about risk management, learning about different uh, trading techniques, um, and then ultimately, especially uh, uh, in, in the early part of 2019 into 2020, I slowly started to be become profitable again for my trading that I would do outside of work, and then ultimately by like early like early 2020 or even uh, late 2019, I was looking at my equity curve on one of my trading accounts and I, and I kind of realized, hey, you know what? I could probably consider doing this full time. I'm like still young. I don't, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. So this, this is probably the most optimal time to uh, pursue this journey. So ultimately, I, I left my job at Prequin as a hedge fund research analyst and I, uh, yeah, basically became a self-funded trader and the timing of it was a bit strange because I left right at the end of February, 2020. And then obviously two weeks later we had the COVID lockdowns and, uh, we had all wow. that crazy, all those crazy things happen in the markets. Like I, I was actually, uh, listening to your podcast with uh, Jordan, uh, last night mm. and you were talking yeah. about how the futures would go limit down. Uh, on the on on Sunday night, so I was around. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's when I first really started trading full time. So that was a really really crazy time to be to actually not just be a trader, but to become a full time trader. So that was definitely a very scary time. And luckily, I I survived that, and I'm still I'm still here trading full time. So that's kind of like a brief, uh, I guess, a brief overview of how I got into this space and how I got into trading. It's wild, man. What a time to go off on your own. It's, it's like the, the talk about getting involved in the, in the apocalypse. So so walk me through it, man. I know you've, I've seen a lot in terms of your, how you post all of your trades and you're so public about everything that, sh that you do. When did you start feeling comfortable to do that? Are you, are you comfortable with it now? Or is it just something that you do? Like, that's amazing, man. Yeah, in terms of like being public with my trading and my trading analysis i wasn't uh i wasn't really that public up until this year when i joined uh coin w as a uh trading 
uh, as a copy master trader and analyst. Uh, before that, I was just very much uh, very private. I wasn't really a part of. I didn't even have a Twitter. I didn't have an Instagram. I didn't have uh, a Telegram. Really, I just uh, I just did everything in private. But uh, yeah, with this role that I currently have, it's it kind of requires me to be social and kind of like put myself out there and uh, uh, basically you know showcase to the world that I do have actual trading. Uh, trading and analysis knowledge, especially when it comes to uh, cryptocurrencies. God bless you, dude. This, I, and this is such a wild, talk about the wild west, like you were talking about before, there are so many assets in crypto that we thought were going to be, you know, revolutionary. We thought that they were going to take over the world in one way or another. But so many different assets, whether that be NFTs or crypto themselves have proven just to be Ponzi schemes. Uh, what what assets are you trading when you're doing this copy master trading? Are you really focusing on the big boys like the Bitcoins, the Ethereums, or are you hopping into the Solanas, the the e, the Shibas, and yeah. the Inus? Yes, I pretty much I trade all the futures pairs that are available on the exchange. So, gotcha. yeah, I, I know some traders they just focus on either Bitcoin or Ethereum or some other crypto that they really have a feel for, or really know the fundamentals. Uh, about but for me i just i can just look at a chart and recognize right away so i want to be long or short this asset so uh yeah like my trading kind of evolved over the years when i first started i, I mainly just traded bitcoin because that was the most liquid uh cryptocurrency back in uh 2020 uh but now so back then there were there were only really futures available for just like the top uh cryptos like bitcoin and ethereum and there weren't right. really any futures trading available for all coins. So you weren't really able to go short on, on let's say, Solana or, um, you know, XRP. Uh, but now, since uh, a lot of market makers have entered the arena, uh, we do have actually leveraged futures trading on not just Bitcoin and Ethereum, but also uh, Solana, like you mentioned, and Dogecoin and Shiba Inu and even Pepe and all these crazy meme coins. So uh, Pepe, you, you can get leverage on Pepe? Oh, yeah, you can. Okay. You can go up to 50x on some exchanges, maybe even 100. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So the leverage is not like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, pretty crazy. The lev- I mean, I don't go that high leverage, especially on yeah, yeah. coins, because I think uh, the volatility of Pepe and uh, I think the newest coin that's like very popular is Rollcoin. It moves around like on average, like over 10% a day. So obviously, like, I don't think you don't even need leverage for an asset that moves around 10% a day. That's just crazy. But, but that is an option available on most, uh, um, yeah, on a lot of futures exchanges. So yeah, still very much like the wild west in terms of crypto trading. I mean, you have all these, uh, yeah, you have all these, uh, exchanges offering leverage even on altcoins. So you gotta be careful. Obviously I know how to manage my risk and I always tell people who read my analysis, like, you know make sure to use proper risk management like know where your stops are don't go 100x leverage on on pepe or <laughs> dogecoin don't do it you're probably gonna get liquidated and i've seen it happen so yeah i am so sure Is that, when, yeah. I, when i hear le- leverage on crypto like a shiver goes down my spine man i don't know if you saw the color leave my skin <laughs> uh it did that that is absolutely insane so so when you're talking about risk management on a lot of these assets like you said you know you get really big swings in a day like obviously uh, trading equities trading 
the normal futures contracts. I'm having a really wild day if an asset goes two and a half percent either direction. Three yeah. percent is like unheard of. Four percent happens three, four times a year. When you're trading assets that can move like four percent in a day on average, how has that changed how you manage risk? Yeah, so obviously, um, so I use uh, like an ATR based uh, stop and target system. So ATR stands for average mm. true range. Uh, so basically, I don't mean I don't want to reveal exactly how I place my uh, take profits and stop losses, but I use a ratio of the ATR basically. So maybe I'll place my stop uh, like two two times away from the average ATR for a for let's say Bitcoin or Ethereum. And then uh, my take profits would be like multiples of that. So it might be 2X ATR, 3X ATR, 4X, uh, et cetera. Uh, so in crypto, I think you have to kind of adjust uh, if you're using like an ATR based approach. So maybe in equities, it's okay to use like a 1X uh, average range or maybe slightly higher. But when it comes to crypto, especially when you're dealing with uh, all coins that are very volatile, and could have like extreme extreme wicks, especially nowadays when the liquidity is kind of low. Uh, I basically use uh, basically a wider stops, so I use uh, pretty wide stops in my in my risk management and low position sizing. It's like you you can't use like high position sizes. Like if you have let's say you have like a hundred thousand dollar account, you're not gonna go all in with a hundred thousand on Pepe. You'll probably use like a very small. Uh, small position size relative to your uh, capital because, uh, you know, because of the formula with how you would calculate your uh, stop loss and position, position sizing if you are using a, like a mathematical ATR-based approach like, like I do. No, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, the, there's so much in the way of volatility that could be affected. And I'm, I'm learning so much just watching your stuff and reading uh, through some of your trades about how just how intensely the crypto market has been affected by things like news um you know with the fed coming out this week i mean we it's it's more of the same right uh, yeah. the, we we hyped up this event uh we're gonna say you know jerome's gonna say something's gonna <laughs> shake the world and yeah. then he comes out there and he says exactly what he's been saying for the past year <laughs> um so what what we, we were talking about acr you're talking about risk management you know how how much of a role has news played in that strategy of yours now yeah so there's been a lot of uh like market breaking news uh especially this year in crypto so uh back in june we had uh the sec come out and basically sue binance which is like which is the number one cryptocurrency uh exchanged by volume in the whole world and then they also sued coinbase for i think the whole basis of their lawsuit is that coinbase is uh offering cryptocurrencies for trading that are uh, securities um so that's so basically all the uh i've got all the names that they named but basically all the cryptos that they named in their lawsuit like those immediately took like a 20 to 25 percent hit like downwards in one hour when that news came out um luckily i was i was like looking at the technicals during that time and i was mostly posi positioned short so that was actually one of my better uh my, one of my better months back in june because i really I profited yeah, I really profited off that downwards move. And uh, I think uh, you were even saying in your in the podcast you did with Jordan that you uh, that you prefer being uh, on the short side of the market, if I'm not mistaken, just because yeah. the market just takes that elevator down approach. Um, yeah. And it's very 
I don't really see the elevator going up much in in really any market. So I wish like I wish Bitcoin would go up 20% in one hour or some other crypto. But normally it's the opposite that happens. It, it goes down 20%. Yeah. So that's why I like to be, I guess I would consider myself more of a short biased trader, especially sure. in crypto and especially during this bear market that we have in yeah. the cryptocurrency uh, market specifically. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a big, a big thing that traders don't necessarily always remember, you know, the way that the way that assets work, everything works off of psychology, right? So people buy because they're excited, people sell because they're afraid and, and being afraid is a much more powerful emotion than being excited in most cases. So talking about trading in 2020, I mean, that, that's the closest thing I've even I can even imagine as a futures trader to <laughs> 20 25% moves but yeah. you know when the Nasdaq was moving 5% down it wasn't moving 5% down because people were sitting on their hands it was moving 5% down because everyone was pressing the sell button on any device telephone yeah. computer people were faxing uh, orders in whatever could they could do and that that's a really big opportunity for us as traders yeah that's so wild to think that a 20 25% move could happen in an hour so yeah. when you were so when you were in these trades like what was what was going through your head man we, we, did you did you hold for like a whole 20 percent move like a 15 percent move or uh yeah so since i'm more of a well not more of, i am a, i would consider myself a swing trader i yeah. do like some intraday intraday trading as well but really the bread and butter from of my strategy and where most of my profits come from are from more of the trades that I hold for the long term. So, and by long term, I mean it's like two to three days in crypto, up to a week. Gotcha. Like gotcha. probably like a long term trade in the equity world would be a few weeks, two months. Uh, but in crypto, since everything moves like very fast, my definition of long term is literally two two to three days. That's a long term position uh, in crypto. <sighs> so, wow. yeah. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, yeah, I was positioned. I've got the exact setup. Uh, obviously, it wasn't based on the news of the right. SEC lawsuit, right. but because I, I would, uh, there's no idea. I mean, there was no way I would uh, know that the SEC was going to come out with these news. So, but anyways, yeah, the that would only was, be a little illegal. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I had someone inside at the SEC. Yeah, that, could, it's... yeah. Whisper me some secrets, but anyway, right? Uh, I I don't unfortunately. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But no, but the technicals were very bearish and they were su uh, suggesting more downside to come. I didn't think it was going to be like a 15 to 20% down move, but that's what it was. And also because I was using some leverage as well, um, maybe on the order of 3x to 5x leverage, some of my position had the, like an 80% to 100% ROI, uh, which is, it's not that my account grew 80% to 100%. Which I think people right. get confused sometimes. Um, right. It's based on the position sizing or the risks that I put on that particular trade. Uh, it grew by like you know a pretty significant ROI. Uh, That's crazy. But, That's crazy. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to come off as I'm bragging. Like that's very rare to get those kind of trades. Uh, most of the time, it's uh, you know you kind of like hit your first take profit target and then trade goes back uh, goes back to break even and it's kind of like. Uh, more you know more like my trades are more in the order of 10 to 15 percent roi or up to 20 percent with with some leverage applied nice 
Nice. And I, I do think that that's, that's really valuable that you even mentioned that a lot of people hear 100% and they think that your account went from 10,000 to 20,000. That's, that's, <laughs> no, that's not what happened. Yeah. That's, not, that's, not, that's not how it works. No. You know, it was more, much more so like a, a thousand dollar yeah. trade turned into 2000 on a 10,000, 25,000, $50,000 account. Uh, dude, that is so, that is so wild. So going through that experience and comparing that to now, you talk about the lack of liquidity in the crypto markets. So it, it, it just feels like everybody's lacking liquidity right now. I've The money mm -hmm. flows are super weird right now, but you're saying even in crypto, there's a lack of yeah. liquidity. Yeah, I don't know how it is in uh, the equities world right now because I haven't traded it in yeah. probably over a year. But especially in crypto, uh, following the collapse of FTX, there were a couple of big market-making firms. Uh, one uh, I'm sure many people are familiar with is uh, uh, Jane Street, which is uh, mm -hmm. one of the biggest market-making firms in the world. They they were pretty active in the crypt, uh, crypto space, but they left, I think, uh, a few months after the FTX collapse because of regulatory reasons. And then we also had jump trading leave the scene. So, and now... There's actually a study done by, uh, I forgot the name of the uh, research firm, uh, but they're showing like the market depth is like much worse than it used to be uh, pre the FTX collapse. So yeah, it's really difficult with the liquidity, especially if you're trading altcoins like Bitcoin are, and Ethereum are still pretty liquid just because they're actually deemed uh, commodities by, I think, the CFTC. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the SEC isn't going to name Bitcoin as a security. That would be really stupid. Um, wouldn't that but, be something yeah yeah but i wouldn't be surprised coming from gary gensler he's made a lot of wild accusations in the crypto space but <laughs> gary i don't want to get too political. problems man yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> hey man as someone that doesn't trade crypto at all yeah. hey I, I have i have no dog in this fight gary has some issues god bless yeah. that man um so so for for those that for those that don't know and i'm learning a lot here too Mm -hmm. Why would it be a bad idea for the SEC to call Bitcoin a a uh, a commodity? Like, what what would what would be bad about that from your perspective? Break that down for us. Oh, here. oh you mean calling it? I mean, I think it, they are, they already uh, deem it as a commodity, or at least not the no, SEC. Sorry. No, please keep going. Oh, um, so the CFTC, which is the Commodity Futures uh, Trade Commission, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, what those acronyms stand for. Yeah, they they say Bitcoin is a commodity because uh, Bitcoin is actually a listed instrument on the CME exchange, and that happened back in 2017. So when right. it comes to the CFTC, Bitcoin is already a commodity, and I don't think the SEC is going to like uh, have a fight with another regulatory agency within the United States and say Bitcoin is not a commodity. Or I mean, Bitcoin is... Sorry, Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin is not a commodity. It's a security. Right. So that, right. that would just make both of them look really silly. So, and also a lot of yeah. people don't know this, but Ethereum futures are also listed on the CME exchange. So I think Bitcoin yeah. and Ethereum are uh, pretty safe uh, trading instruments uh, from a regulatory aspect in the United States because uh, they've pretty much been approved by the CFTC to be uh, basically commodities. So I don't yeah. think... I don't think people have to worry about Ethereum being deemed a security. It's so crazy to think about, man. Uh, the CME being the, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange um, yep. in charge of all futures. 
I, I remember trading. I only traded the Bitcoin contract when it like came out. Like that they, that year, I, I tried trading it. It was mm. it was such a wild asset to trade. Is yeah. it is it calmer now in, in your eyes? Is it something yes. that's easier to trade or? Yes, I don't have that much experience trading the CME contracts, but what I do know mm. is that when it first when the when CME first launched their product, I think one contract equaled five Bitcoin. So you had mm. to you would have to have a very large account size to be able to trade that contract. So obviously, mm. at this price point, one, yeah, five Bitcoin times twenty five thousand, that's like a position of one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty incredible uh, position size, I think, for a retail trader. But recently, uh, CME introduced a micro uh, That's right. Bitcoin futures, which I guess is pretty similar to the micro ES or the micro NQ. Yeah. And I think there's micro uh, crude oil as well now. Uh, yeah, there, there's a ton of different yeah, micro yeah. contracts. So I think the, <laughs> yeah, the micro Bitcoin contract is one fifth of a Bitcoin, which is a much more reasonable uh, position size so yeah if i were trading on the cme exchange i would definitely go with the micro uh the micro futures instead of the regular futures it's crazy man and, and, and keep in mind too the the day trading margin is much less than what you need so there's there's like a, a, a variety of different kinds of margin in futures um i'm sure you're familiar with it already yeah, but yeah. you know like the day trading margin on the bitcoin contract when it came out was super low um it was like you needed eight grand or something to trade it even though you were commanding technically like one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars worth of worth of value in terms of what you were actually purchasing for the futures contract if you had eight thousand dollars in your account you couldn't exactly hold the position very long right because one a couple ticks and then you've lost your account but still it was just a talk about the wild west man so when, now that you're trading it, when you talk, when I hear you say you're trading the futures contract of these of these assets, I think the CME. Can, can you can you go a little bit further in what exactly you're trading? Like, how are you trading this stuff? Are you just trading it on Coinbase? Where are you getting these this leverage? How does that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now I'm well, I'm working for CoinW. I'm trading. I guess yeah, I'm basically funded uh, by the firm. So right. Uh, I'm not trading on any other exchanges just because that would just require so much extra time out of me. Yeah, of so, yeah, I'm just trading the capital they provided with me. And basically, Coin, uh, CoinW, as well as many other uh, exchanges such as Binance and Bybit um, and KuCoin and many other uh, exchanges that I think most crypto traders are familiar familiar with, they do provide uh, futures trading in addition to spot trading. So I like to use... Um, the futures uh, contracts because obviously with spot trading, you're not able to go short. And since we're in a bear market in crypto, like you pretty much have to go short. And the only way to do that is with uh, futures, uh, futures trading instruments, which a lot of these exchanges do provide. So yeah, that's, that's what I use uh, for, um, for my trading. Uh, And even before CoinW, I would, I was unfortunately on FTX and they offered uh, leveraged futures trading on crypto as well. Uh, but I primarily like 100% just traded the futures contracts. And yeah, the reason I chose, like I said, I chose to trade leveraged futures because of uh, the leverage they provide. And also you're able to go short, which uh, is a tool you need as a trader. And 
let's see what, what else what are the other reasons so one thing that's unique to crypto is that the futures contracts are perpetual so that basically means they don't they oh. never expire they never roll over right right i mean the some more some other exchanges like binance and bybit they now have like quarter, quarterly futures which do uh, uh expire every quarter but the, most of their liquidity comes from the perpetual contracts so yeah if you go into like your trading view and type in like btc perp that's usually how they're named it's like btc perpetual or ethereum perpetual so essentially they never expire and so that's i guess that's pretty awesome as a as a trader so, it's so convenient yeah 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 so so yeah that's a really unique thing to crypto that i like and they also trade 24 7 so even as we're speaking right now it's saturday it's almost 4 p.m I actually do have some trades open right now and uh wow. yeah because it's it's the weekend but it's a perpetual contract and tr- crypto trades 24 7 365 so yeah i guess i'm unless yeah if i were a forex or a future trader like yourself i would probably have i mean i guess theoretically you could have a futures position on the nq right now but you wouldn't be able to trade it of course until sunday night but right yeah, now i can be sitting yeah, yeah after <laughs> After this interview, I'm probably going to ju- jump into my account and see what's going on with my trades and probably have to manage some positions uh, tonight. That's yeah. wild, man. So, so Boris, you're, you're trading. You're, you're always having these crypto trades on. Do you take, do you take days off or is it just like <laughs> you always have those headphones on? They're attached to your body now. We're just trading. Yeah, I'm like uh, one of those people in the Matrix now. My brain is just attached <laughs> to, to a tank. <laughs> yeah i'm actually not a human being i'm just uh from the future just trading crypto <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, no no i um i do take breaks obviously you have to uh so on the weekends i don't really do any kind of like intraday trading or day trading uh since i'm a swing trader i do keep positions uh, uh i do like hold positions overnight into the weekend uh so i do kind of like have to check in once or twice a day but it's not really, I wouldn't really consider it work that much. It's just kind of just checking in to see, have my positions hit, uh, take profit, have they hit their stop loss level. And again, with my like risk management system, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that even if the positions don't, um, even if the positions go against me, I'll be okay because you now I use one to 2% risk per trade. So uh, at, at worst, in worst case scenario, I have five trades open. They all hit their stop loss. I'll lose 5% of my account. It's no big deal. I'll have the next day to uh, recoup those losses. So yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about having my, um, having positions open overnight into the weekend, just because I know what my risk tolerance is and I know uh, how much of my account is currently at risk. So it's really, it's really not that difficult. I know a lot of other traders, they, they're actually very different from me. They just, they're just intraday traders. So they uh, close their positions at the end of the day. They go, they go about their day. They go out and have, uh, you know, go out, have, uh, have a good time, do their thing, and then come back in the morning, you know, do some more uh, interest trading, and then they close their positions for the weekend. But uh, it's not really my style. I really prefer uh, like the long-term approach and really letting my trades play out and uh, really kind of, because really that's where the big profits come from is from, keeping your positions open uh, and letting trades play out and like riding the wave of a trend. 
Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really unique, man. I mean, part of the appeal of crypto is fast money, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people hop into things and assume that they'll be able to hold the trade for 15 minutes. And after they hold the trade for 15 minutes, they can close down uh, Coinbase, open up the Ferrari site and just start building out the Ferrari that they're going to buy with the profits from that 15 minute trade. And that's obviously <laughs> just not the that's right. not the case, right? For for 99% of traders. So so let me ask you this, man. You you've obviously you're you're very experienced in this space at holding these trades for a longer period. How what have you done to help you to hold those trades longer? That's such that's something that so many traders struggle with, holding trades for long periods of time. How do you do it for us? Yeah, it's a good question because really when I first started out, I started out uh, trading the shorter term timeframes. Yeah. So particularly on Bitcoin, I started out for some reason, I really like the four hour timeframe, uh, which if you think about it in terms of uh, equity trader, since there's like 24 hours in a day and Bitcoin trades 20, uh, 24 seven, I guess four, uh, four hour time frame is equivalent to a one hour time frame in, in uh, the equity space. Uh, so in my mind, that's like, you know, not as extreme as a five minute, but it's also not like just, uh, you know, just waiting for the daily candle to close. It's kind of like a, almost like a meso time frame. So I kind of like started out on, I guess, the medium to short term time frames, if you want to call it that. And then as I really, you know, I, as I really started digesting more, uh, I really started to read about different uh, trading methodologies and different approaches to the market. Um, I came across, um, yeah, I came, uh, came across a method that really focused on the daily time frame approach and really just, I guess, yeah, just swing trading. Um, and so I shifted away from trading any kind of uh, lower term timeframes, such as the one hour or four hour. And I just exclusively started trading uh, the daily timeframes. And I wouldn't really even look at what's happening intraday. And that was kind of strange for me because I thought, you know, all, all, of, uh, all of the money is made on the shorter term timeframes. Like you have to be able to capture that big move that occurs really in any market on the, on the shorter term timeframes because things move so rapidly. Uh, but later... Uh, I kind of started to realize, oh, there is some validity to really just focusing on the daily time frame and just focusing on the trend, on the long-term trend, rather than being chopped around on the shorter-term time frames on whatever asset you're trading. Um, obviously, whether you're trading Bitcoin or uh, the ES or the MQ or natural gas or gold, there's going to be periods of chop. Um, so I think... You know, going zooming out to the daily and even weekly timeframes now, uh, you can really see are we in a trend or not? And you know, if we are, if we are in a trend, we should be you know putting on trades and you know in the direction of the trend. But like, yeah, it's 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 hard to explain. Like, how do I? I don't, I don't know how, how do I keep positions open like long, overnight or long term, or how do I swing my positions? I just and I just do them. I just do it. Well, I think like, like Nike. Well, you gave a great answer yeah. there, Boris. Yeah. I don't think you should discount it, man, because the, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you know, you have, you obviously have balls of steel and um, you don't, those, those aren't, people think you're born with them, but they're, but they're really made. So, so your yeah. whole breakdown there about understanding 
you know, starting off like all of us do, thinking that I have to hold this trade for 13.4 seconds. If I hold this for 13.4 <laughs> seconds, I can get $2. If I do this 10 times, I can get $20. If I do it 100 yeah. times, I'll get 200 You know, oftentimes we'll do like this mental gymnastics uh, as, as earlier traders. But as we get more experience and build more of a track record, obviously you saw in your in your through your own experiences hey man i'm leaving some money on the table yeah by not allowing myself to hold and you don't have to deal with the chop the the, the chop man it, it feels like you're a, you're a <laughs> chef in a kitchen sometimes you're like and you're like cutting up a vegetables or something the, the chop can get so horrible in some of these markets oh, especially yeah. around major news events mm -hmm. so taking yourself away from that making you more money it makes so much sense to me especially because you know so many of the best traders we talk to uh, at trade delicious whether that be you or whether that be someone like um don dawson we've spoken to a lot of traders that are very experienced and over the period of their careers they've gravitated more towards this swing trading approach and it's not for everyone but for those that it works for it not only allows them to have like a full-time life trading allows them to have a full-time life trading and trading and being able to to share it being able to have a life outside of being attached to the screens and i i, I love it man it's something that i've been working on myself i really admire the fact that you've been able to swing yeah. like this it's so it's something. are you yourself more of a i guess you're more of a short-term trading uh short-term trader i believe you i think you said you only trade for one hour a day yeah is that, is yes. that true Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I only do it, and it depends on the day, man. Because you know, I I run around and I do a lot of stuff. I still uh, I do a lot of work for uh, Trade Delicious, of course. Mm -hmm. I still do some work in construction. I can't I can't sit behind a desk all day, mm -hmm. dude. I went. Yeah. I did try going full time um, a couple years back, but when I when I tried it, dude, I was I would perform incredibly well. I would make. You know, and, and and again, like like you said, this none of this is is to brag. This is just what happened. Um, I I remember quitting my job, mm -hmm. uh, twenty twenty one, quit okay. the job. Um, I I was in sales. I made a good amount of money. Threw that money into the market, and for several for several weeks, I would wake up at nine, go to my computer, trade from nine thirty to about nine forty five, nine forty eight. I would put on one or two trades, and mm -hmm. once I hit a thousand dollar profit, I would shut everything down and go take my dog for a walk, and that's all I did for like <laughs> two, two, three weeks, four weeks, mm -hmm. and I got cocky, I got arrogant, I lost, I lost mm -hmm. a lot of those profits. But the reason why I got cocky and why I got arrogant was because I was, I was boring myself to death, man. I wasn't allowing myself to have a life outside of the trading. I got complacent in my ability to trade that particular market, little things change. Some news events happen. The Fed started putting some more pressure on interest rates. The market changed. Um, and I didn't I didn't adjust with it, probably because I was taking a really granular view of the market as opposed to approaching the market like you do, taking a bird's eye view. I was stuck in the minutia, <laughs> stuck in the details. I didn't zoom out to that daily, that yeah. weekly, that monthly to get a really good idea. Yeah, you know what the thing is, I actually want to learn how to trade like more like you do, because I'm mm -hmm. not really. Yeah, you know, I would say I'm okay at sh uh, trading the mm -hmm. shorter term time frames, but yeah. I'm not really 
as precise as I am with my swing trading. So actually, that's right. a skill I want to develop because I think I think they could complement each other, like both swing trading and scalping. So if you're, if you're if you're great at swing trading and you're great at scalping, that's that would be an ideal combination. Because the one drawback to swing trading is that sometimes there's just no trades to take. So right. there was like one one week in particular, whereas like we had this big move in crypto, and then normally after you have a big trending move, things consolidate. So during that consolidation period, I was just kind of like sitting there and like I was like so bored, and I'm like, All right, maybe I should go down to the one minute and start trading. But right. I don't I don't really have a strategy for the one minute, so it's probably not the best thing to do. And then, yeah, so I really want to kind of, uh, yeah, learn to trade like the the lower term timeframes, like the five minute to 15 minute timeframes and uh, be able to not only profit from longer term swings, but just, uh, I guess, intraday uh, movements as well. We'll work. We'll work on it together. man. Yeah, you can teach me sure. a little bit about swinging. I can teach you a little bit about scalping. I, I think the core of it is, you know, like you were saying, you, you did a lot of books and a lot of courses. Once you have a good foundation in the basics of how charts work, all charts work the same, guys. You know, you got green bars going up. You got red <laughs> bars going down. There's some issue of volume and there's some issue of, you know, price action. All, all of these things are true for whatever market that you're trading. You're just kind of changing the packaging and you're changing some slight details about the asset that you're trading. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is you have a good head on your shoulders in terms of risk management. If you listen to this whole thing, You'll hear Boris talk about risk management time and time again. He's not risking 10% of his account on a daily basis. He's not risking 20% on a trade. You're risking 1% to hopefully get two. On a good day, you'll get three or four. But you know, when when you have that foundation, the the world's your oyster. I, I, Boris, I I know I realize that you know you still have to take a look at your trades and everything. So I don't want to take up too much more. I don't know. Of I have time. I have plenty of time, but. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, no, it's okay. It, in that case, I really wanted to ask you a little bit more about, you know, your thoughts on where crypto is now and where you think things are going. You, you talk a little bit about this this bear market. What's your experience like with it and, and how long do you think it's going to last for? I know it's a super hard question, but. Yeah, so no, it's a really good question. Um and yeah, I guess the, uh, I can answer it in two parts in terms of like where I see it going and how long the bear market is going to last. Uh, so first of all, where, where is it going? A lot of it will have to do with all the regulatory uncertainty we have, uh, not so just in the not, not just in the United States with the SEC, <laughs> but also worldwide. Yeah. Like I think uh, Bitcoin trading is still banned in China. Yeah. Uh, and then other other countries are banning it, uh, or some oh, some some countries are actually promoting it or embracing it. Uh, like El Salvador, I think they made it the national currency back was it like one or two years ago. Uh, yeah, it's a couple so, of years back. It's crazy. Yeah, and I know a lot of other countries, especially like more like second to, I guess even third world countries, are really adopting it. Uh, so actually, I was actually reading a a study from a crypto research firm just today. And they were uh, showing what are like the top countries by, I guess, by crypto adoption uh, right now. And like number one is, I forgot what number one is, but uh, uh, the United States is actually only number four or number five. And I, I believe number two is actually wow. Nigeria. 
Oh, uh, I remember now. Number one is India. Number two is Ni- Nigeria. Number three, uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, number United States is only number four. And then, yeah, you have some what? other like like uh, African countries and Middle Eastern countries mm-hmm. that are uh, are really adopting it. So mm-hmm. I think the United States and other, I guess, developed nations are really falling behind. And so a lot of firms or a lot of uh, crypto, not only crypto exchanges, but a lot of Web3 companies, they're actually moving to Dubai, where, where uh, CoinW is actually headquartered. But not only CoinW, uh, a lot of crypto companies have offices there right now. Uh, so I think even Coinbase, which is the biggest exchange in the United States, uh, they were considering moving to Dubai uh, just because the SEC has that lawsuit against them. So Brian, Brian Armstrong, who is the CEO of wow. Coinbase, he, I think he even said, yeah, we're, gonna, we're going to Dubai. And then we have uh, Gemini, which I might be like the number two or number three exchange in, in the United States. Uh, so Gemini was founded by the uh, the the Winklevoss twins, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Yeah, the, uh, the Winklevoss twins, the Facebook guys. Yeah, yeah, the Facebook guys. Uh, so yeah. they're they ma- they're making a big push to moving to uh, Dubai and moving away from the U.S., which I think is really really bad for for the industry as a whole. Uh, and yeah, it's just kind of unfortunate to see that uh, the United States isn't really embracing this technology. Uh, so to answer your question, I guess a lot of it will depend on how the regulatory environment uh, unfolds. I'm not I, I'm obviously not an expert on that. I'm not a legal expert. I'm not a, you know, a regular regulation. Brother, guy. No, just... <laughs> no one is an, an expert on, on market yeah. direction. I can promise yeah. you that much. Yeah. And in terms of how long the bear market is going to last. So I actually wrote about this uh, maybe a month ago. Uh, and I would uh, I made an analogy back to the previous uh, bear market that we had in Bitcoin back in 2017 when I first started trading uh, Bitcoin. Um, basically, my conclusion was that so basically the bear market back then lasted from 2017. And I consider I would consider like the bull market. Uh, the I guess the most recent bull market that we had, it started in 2020 and late 2020 when Bitcoin was able to take out its 2017 high. So in, to- in totality, that took about th- three years to basically take out the previous cycle's high. Yeah. And now I'm thinking if you're if you're using like the same kind of analysis technique, uh, we had the FTX collapse last year in November and a few months before that Bitcoin was was trading at its all-time highs in the upper 60,000s. So then if you're, yeah. So then I would say it's going to be a minimum of three years from that point. So it's going to be at least another, I'd say it's going to be more than a year of bear market because back then uh, the liquidity was much less in terms of, well, not even liquidity, just the market cap of Bitcoin. It was 3,000 during the bear market. And now it's, uh, I believe, at the time that we're speaking about this, Bitcoin is trading at, at around twenty six thousand five hundred. So it's about, uh, if I do the math, that's like what six times as more than it was back then. So, uh, given that it's a much more mature market, I think it might be even as long as even five years. So then, if we if we take the approach that the bear market started in twenty twenty one, then I would say the earliest the bull market could start is. 2024 so maybe in a year from now but really i think since the market is more mature now and and it takes a lot more money 
the move of an asset like Bitcoin around. I think we might we really might not see a bull market until maybe even 2025 or 2026. And and a lot of it will have to do with especially like more like macroeconomic factors, uh, such as what's happening with the Federal Reserve and interest rates and uh, like the war, uh, the war in Ukraine is it gonna get worse? Are we, are we going to World War Three? Because yeah. really, uh, when Bitcoin went from, well, basically from its inception up to its high during the last decade, we were like in a really great, uh, I guess, uh, fiscal uh, fiscal environment for equities right. like the S and P five hundred and uh, the Nasdaq. They were pretty much in a bull market throughout yeah. that entire year. So, I mean, throughout that entire decade. So if now we get, we have all the negativity that's coming with crypto, such as regulation and all the other stuff, and if we couple that with the potential that we might actually see a bear market in the equity markets, um, then who knows? Maybe maybe there will never be another bull market. Maybe this is, this is it. I don't know. But no, I think, I think Bitcoin will reach higher numbers in the future. But for now, I think... Uh, you know, we'll have to keep our expectations in check. Like, amen, Boris. That that was an aggressive statement, big dog. You, <laughs> you said, uh, maybe, maybe we're never going back, man. Maybe, maybe we'll never see 60K yeah. again. Do I you, mean, yeah. so, so I, I really love your, your skepticism, man. I, one thing that I feel like I really struggled with when I start off with, and something I still struggle with, is the idea that, like, we, we need to keep really weak opinions. Like I love futures markets. I, I really think that they're they're really amazing. They're dying, you know. Mm -hmm. Liquidity in futures markets is is really falling off of a cliff. In ten years from now, the futures market may not nearly be as large as it is now. Mm -hmm. So to think that, you know, you're comfortable enough with your asset to say, hey man, this may not work out long term. <laughs> That's amazing. So obviously you have some faith. In crypto you've been invested in it you've traded it do you think that it's here to stay in its current form do you think it'll evolve to something different like what, what do you think as a whole about the crypto market yeah i think i mean it's definitely we're definitely getting a lot more adoption uh such yeah. as with the uh, i guess the nft craze that we had uh yeah i guess a couple of years back uh, obviously the nft market has gone down considerably since then but obviously what there's NFT a lot of market, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of use case uh for crypto aside from a means of exchange or a store of value. Uh you can use it, uh, you know, use it as a uh you know, use it for non-fungible tokens, you can use it uh for smart contracts. Uh, and there's obviously a lot of development being done along uh those fronts. So both on the creative side and on the I guess more monetary side for using it as an actual means of transmitting money and uh recently earlier this year i was at the consensus conference in austin texas uh, and basically consensus is, is one of the biggest crypto conferences in the world and what i was amazed to see was that despite bitcoin being in the bear market right now and as well as pretty much every other crypto asset uh there was so much uh like so many different companies at the conference especially uh companies in the traditional finance space, such as Fidelity Investments and uh, CME were there and uh, uh, many other like traditional finance uh, institutions. They were there. There were so many people. There were so many events happening. There were so many great speakers. And that kind of made me feel that 
there's a lot of development being done uh, during the bear market. So the space is still pretty, uh, still very much alive. It's very much thriving. Uh, maybe not on the, not maybe not when you look up, you know, your favorite crypto ticker on TradingView. Maybe the price is down twenty percent over the past month. Uh, but like I know if if uh, if you actually go on different community forums and go out to different networking events and go to different conferences, you'll see there's a lot of activity. A lot of people are getting involved. Um, like I know a lot of like software developers are jumping from, you know, whatever software engineering job they have over to, uh, you know, code for a web three company or, uh, you know, produce some, uh, do work for a web three company uh, and do some coding for their, for their projects that, uh, that different uh, web three companies are currently working on. That's so killer, man. The idea that crypto growth isn't just connected to fiscal value. That's I think that's one of the most exciting things about the space, because when I think about, you know, obviously as an equities trader, when I'm looking at a ticker, I'm thinking about that ticker only in terms of the numbers, the figures, mm -hmm. the cash, the dollars. You know, we don't talk about NVIDIA just because they're they're making just a couple bucks on these chips that they're making mm. that support chat GPT. We talk about them because yeah. they're making billions upon billions. And it's, it's really cool to think that there's another space mm -hmm. like crypto where there isn't just a fiscal value. This thing is growing in ways that we haven't seen before. It, that, that is so cool to yeah. me, man. And also NVIDIA is all, is all, you can say it's kind of connected to crypto because uh, oh. a lot of mining companies are using not just NVIDIA, but uh, NVIDIA and AMD graphics cards for their mining because they exactly. require so much computing power. So it's all interconnected. Like everything is so connected in this industry, which is why really I, is. I, yeah, I look at the equities markets as well and the Forex markets because everything is connected in this space. So you really have to take a look at every market to see how, what the interplay is between not just crypto, but crypto and equities, but also crypto and the U.S. dollar index and crypto and gold or even crypto. And I don't know if there's a correlation between crypto and crude oil, but maybe that's something I'll have to take a look at. <laughs> maybe, man. I don't I haven't been able to find any correlation for crude oil <laughs> in a while these past uh -huh. few weeks. As I'm sure you know, I, I trade I trade crude oil uh, quite often and mm -hmm. it's it's been a cruel mistress. Uh, but um, but Boris, man, I, I, I have to ask, you know, we've, we've talked about things on such a big eagle view level like the macroeconomics but as a successful crypto trader i would be remiss if i didn't ask you you know just basic advice what would you have told yourself starting off as a crypto trader what advice would you have given yourself to find success earlier in your career you obviously have so much knowledge around the whole thing but when it comes to actually making dollars and cents what would you say to a younger Boris? Yeah, I would say, well, first of all, before you consider leaving your full-time job, consider really building up your account size because uh, the account size that I thought was sufficient enough to start trading full-time, I later started to realize this is not enough. This is not enough. I uh, really, I think you really need to have, you really first need to have a lot of savings in your bank account. Uh, and when I say savings, I, I don't mean for a month or two. I mean, have 
money saved up for a year of living expenses. So that includes your rent, that includes food. Maybe that includes you know, other activities like even going on vacation. So whatever, I don't know where, where, where in particular uh, a listener of this podcast is tuning in from, but whatever the cost of living is where you are, make sure you save up enough money to survive a year of things not going your way. Maybe you, you'll make a bad trade or maybe uh, you know a, a leading cryptocurrency exchange like FTX collapses and you lose your account, so, which is unfortunately what I had to experience. So I would, so I guess I would say, yeah, number one, uh, like really make sure this is something you want to pursue full time. Uh, make like whatever your, whatever you think the account size you need for trading full time, I would say double it or triple it. That's, that's actually the real uh, account size you need. And then as far as the like emergency fund that you need, you need a like 5x or 10x that because like things like losses will happen even if uh, you have like the strictest risk, risk management. There's going to be things that happen that um, they just won't expect. So I've been, you know, I've been trading the space for over three and a half years and I, I've had my share of, uh, you know, really bad losses. Uh, so yeah, I would say, yeah, just make sure you have a, you have a excess reserve uh, of cash available because I don't know, maybe, maybe newer traders will never experience any losses and everything will be great. They'll just make money and uh, like, just, it'll be a dream. They'll be living like Leo and Wolf of Wall Street and everything will be great. I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but I think not just me, but a lot of other uh, trader stories that I've listened to, they've experienced losses. So, so I would say number one, yeah, make sure you have uh, a lot more savings than, than you intend on having. And then number two, at the same time, I'm kind of like saying, you know, be very like risk averse, but also be, don't be afraid to take risks. Cause for example, when uh, the whole NFT craze and the whole DeFi craze started happening in crypto, I didn't really jump on it. I just stuck to just trading Bitcoin, Ethereum that I was, that I knew and I was comfortable trading names that I was very well aware of, like their price levels and their movements. And I never really got, got caught up in the NFT hype or the DeFi hype, which may, be, which may have been a good thing uh, uh, in retrospect, but maybe not because I know a lot of people made a lot, a lot of money from NFTs and from uh, different DeFi projects. So, so yeah, that's kind of like a long-winded answer, but uh, that's probably what my number, my two biggest steps would be. Thank you, brother. And it wasn't long with it at all, man. It was a perfect <laughs> length. I, I think a lot of traders get caught up in in the dream, like like you and I did. You know, mm -hmm. um, we get caught up in the dream. We get over leveraged, and then we lose a boatload of money <laughs> and have to go back to <laughs> the drawing board. And yeah. so, I, I think that wisdom is so important and pertinent. Um, you know, we're we're coming up on on an hour long here, brother. So I think that that's a really great place to end things. Boris, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story, brother. You're an inspiration. Of course. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah. Thank you. Traders, thank you guys so much again for joining us here. Um, great conversation with Boris. Obviously, we're super excited to have him on a variety of different talks moving forward. He's he's in New York. I'm in DC. I'm definitely going <laughs> to drive up there at some point and bother him. 
So you'll see some in-person content from us soon. But if you guys like what you saw, please like, uh, share, and subscribe. It really helps us out with the algorithm. And as always, please trade well and trade delicious. We'll see you. See you guys.